Girlfriends, episode number 189, Personal Finance How-Tos with Victoria Seacrest. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, we are talking with a financial planning expert who's going to help us work through some of those personal finance how-tos. I know you have questions. I sure do. Can't wait to get started on this important show. Hey, girlfriends. How are you? Thanks for showing up. Thank you for being a part of this episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. I am excited to have a financial expert to come on this week because we have questions. I know I hear from you all the time. Sometimes on our Facebook group, side note, shout out to our Facebook group. If you want to join, go to facebook.com slash groups slash girlfriends podcast. We'd love to have you join our closed private group there. It's a good way for us to connect outside of the podcast. But sometimes on there, I'll ask people for you know ideas for what topics they want us to take up. And it never fails to come up that people want us to talk about personal finances. They want to know some basics about budgeting. And for sure, we've taken up this topic on the show show before, but I don't feel like I am an expert in this field at all. I mean, I can share what we do and what works for us, but for the most part, I feel like I am outside of my comfort zone when talking about finances. So I was thrilled to hear from Victoria and that she was willing to come on the show. So excited to share that with you in just a moment. But before we get to that, I just want to do one of our health and fitness check-ins. We do this regularly here. I just want to nudge you a little bit. Are you thinking about ways in which to keep yourself physically healthy? In what ways are you doing that this fall? What's your program? What's your plan? What's your idea? What are you doing to move your body throughout the day? What are you doing to eat in a healthy way. I just put these in here on a regular basis as a reminder for myself as much as you, just kind of doing a check-in with you. Where are you at with that? What's going on with you? Sometimes the back to school time of year is overwhelming and there's a lot going on. Schedules are changing and it can be hard to figure out where we're going to fit in time for exercise, where we're going to fit in planning meals and planning the ways in which we're going to eat healthfully or planning meals for our family. So I just want to be an encouraging reminder that this is important and that a change of season and a change of schedules is an opportunity to look for ways in which you're going to be approaching these things. Are you going to fit in a workout in the morning before the kids go off to school or are your kids going off to school so that frees you up during the daytime? Are you a homeschooler and so now you have less time than ever? You got to be creative about these things. Um, and I just wanted to share with you that for me personally, I've been thrilled. I shared this already, I think on a previous show, to be getting back to running regular distances. <laughs> I shared with you this summer that my daughter and I ran a half marathon together. And when we did that, I was running these long distances, which, you know, I was happy to be doing it and happy to be training for the race, but I'm also happy to be moving on from that. So just yesterday I did one of my interval workouts, which I love. And I thought I got to share this with the girlfriends on the show because it's such an easy workout and it's done inside of 30 minutes and it feels so good. It's so easy to do. So I'm just going to describe it for you in case you're inclined to do this. If you're interested in interval running, but don't know how to get started, this is a great basic way to get started. So what you do is warm up for five minutes, whatever that means, walking fast or jogging, whatever. And then you're going to do seven intervals of three minutes each. So in the first minute, you run fast whatever that means for you. In the second minute, you walk and kind of rest and recover from that. And in the third minute, you jog, you run slowly before you hit running fast again for the next minute. Do you see what I'm saying? Three minutes. 
So one minute of running fast, one minute of walking, one minute of running slowly. Do that, those three minutes, seven times. And I love that there's like that built-in recovery in there. Um, It feels very doable to me. And then cool down for five minutes, whatever that means, walking, jogging, whatever. Um, So it's that basic and it's that simple. And I did it yesterday and it felt so great. And I thought, I love this workout because it meets you where you are. If you are, you know, an amazing fast runner, then running fast is going to mean one thing to you. If you're just barely getting started in running, um, like Jillian from a couple shows ago, who was asking about beginning running. So this is for you, Jillian. It's, it meets you where you are and running fast is going to mean a very different thing to you. And I've loved it even in my own kind of journey of physical fitness, because there are times where I haven't been running or I haven't been working out. And when I go back to it, I can, I can start with this workout or I can use this workout even when I've been running a lot. And and I, I feel like I, I can run faster. So anyway, it's a very doable thing. I shared it on my Instagram stories. And if you go to my Instagram, you can click on the story highlights there. And I walk you through some other basics of interval running if you're interested in that. But I want to know from you how you're doing. It doesn't have to be running. What are you doing with regard to your own personal health and fitness this fall season? I want to be inspired by you. You can share on our Facebook group or you can email me, Danielle at DanielleBean.com. I'd love to hear from you. But Without waiting any further, I want to get on to my conversation with Victoria, who is a young woman working in finances, and she has so much, so much to share with us. I really enjoyed my conversation with her, and I know you're going to, too. Here we go. Check it out. Hey, everybody. I am excited to have a special guest joining us here today on Girlfriends to talk about an important topic, personal finance. So Victoria Sechrist is joining me today. Victoria worked in television news as a producer and reporter for five years before going to work at the financial gym. Her passion for personal finance grew while she worked at Fox Business Network, where she produced segments on financial markets and investing. Victoria is a born and bred Connecticut girl, but she's also lived in Michigan and Colorado while training as a figure skater. Victoria was a member of Team USA and performs professionally in shows when not writing financial plans. Victoria graduated summa cum laude from Oakland University. Welcome, Victoria. I'm glad you're here in Girlfriends. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Oh, me too. And I love reading through your bio. I'm like, you know, you get halfway through and you're already impressed. And then all of a sudden you're a figure skater. Um, (laughs) So let's let's start with, um, you know, where you are. You just shared with me that you're you're newly married. Tell us about that. Tell us a little bit about you personally. Yeah. So I got married at the beginning of August. I actually met my husband on Catholic Match. So, so for those of you who are wondering, it does work. It and does we, ha- work. We, <laughs> we know other couples that have met and gotten married through Catholic Match. So now, yeah. So now I'm married and I'm living with my husband and my full-time job is working at the financial gym as a financial trainer. Mm-hmm. We use that term because it's like a personal trainer yeah. <laughs> for yeah. your finances. So yeah. Mm-hmm. And we actually are going to be moving to Boston, which is exciting for, hey. uh, yeah. So I'll kind of be me. closer to you. Love Boston. That's so great. Um, So you reached out and I'm so grateful that you did to offer to come on and talk about personal finances. And, you know, Victoria, I think this is a really important topic for us to talk about as Catholics, because in some ways, I think Protestants are better about money than we are. Do you get that vibe? 
Yeah, I, I do. I think, well, Dave Ramsey is really popular. Yes. And and also in some Catholic circles. But yeah, I, I, I do get that vibe. Yeah. And I think this is something, and you know, we've talked about this on the show before. I've had my friend Sam Fatzinger on, the mom of 13, who shared basics about family budgeting and how she saves money. And I think that's really helpful in a practical sense. But I think there are a lot of us going around feeling like, we're the only ones who don't get it. We don't know what all those words mean. You know, <laughs> you, you, these, these financial conversations get kind of whoosh right over your head. Um, so, you know, I think a number of listeners might be in that place. Maybe we could start with some basics. Like, you know, for someone who is afraid to talk about finances or maybe even walking around feeling like a certain sense of shame that they don't know more about basic personal finances, what, what might you say to encourage a person like that? I would say that there's really no reason why you would have learned it unless you had a personal finance class in high school or in college, and that's not very typical. Mm -hmm. So I encourage you not to feel any shame at all if you don't know what these terms mean, because there are so many of them. Mm -hmm. And in a sense, it's designed in a way like 401k, for example, I used to think that that meant $401,000. And I knew it was a retirement account. <laughs> right. And I thought that meant that's how much you needed to retire. <laughs> but it really just refers, <laughs> it really just refers to, um, like the rule, the 401k rule. And anyway, so mm -hmm. I would say don't feel ashamed at all. There are, there are so many terms and they're not really as complicated as people might want you to think. Right. So be patient with yourself and don't be hard on yourself. Right, right. And and that it can be something that you can learn at any age or stage of your life. It's not like it's too late. Absolutely. <laughs> right, right. I think that's No, very it's never too late. Never. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned 401k. So let's go. We're going to go all over the spectrum here. We're going to talk about retirement, but then I also want to talk about some financial issues that are specific to young people. But you mentioned 401ks. So I know people who walk around with a pit in their stomach because they don't feel like they've properly planned or prepared for retirement. And I used to have a friend and, and I love him and he has nine kids and he used to say that was his retirement plan, you know, <laughs> having <the> nine <laughs> kids, which, you know, I get it, but, um, probably not the most reasonable plan. Um, what, what, what basic things, where, where should people start? Let's say they have a 401k with their work, but they never really looked into it much. Maybe they're in, you know, maybe years ago they set it up to, you know, put a certain amount in there, but haven't looked at it in a long time. Well, where's a basic place where a person could start to do a sort of evaluation preparing for that? So I would recommend having an online account. So if you don't already know how to log in and check your 401k balance, you should definitely do that mm -hmm. right now. And once you're there, it's a good thing to know what your contribution level is and what your employer matches. Mm -hmm. And then what's also super important is how the money is invested. So Sometimes what I see is people show me their 401k statement and it shows me that it's totally invested in cash or a money market or a stable value. Mm -hmm. All those are basically similar terms that mean it's basically not going to be earning much at all. And the idea with retirement is that if we all just saved cash for retirement, we would not have enough when we retire. So we do have to take advantage of 
stocks and bonds to get to retirement. Mm -hmm. And so you might look at all of these funds and go, well, I don't know if I should be in the large cap or the small cap. I don't even know what that means. Right. And then no one really explains it to you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So, and then they're like, okay, pick how you're going to invest for your retirement. And so what I recommend to people is choosing a target date fund. So your targeted year of retirement. And Mm so those type of funds are automatically invested to be aggressive enough for the year that you plan to retire. Oh, I see. That's smart. Yeah. So for example, if you pick a 2050 target date fund, that means you're you're going to retire around that time frame. Um, And the target date funds typically are every five years. So 2050, 2055. There's, of course, like 2020, 2025. Those are people who are very close to retiring. And as you get closer to that year, the elements of the fund, so meaning the percentage of stocks versus the percentage of bonds changes to Mm -hmm. be more in line with what's appropriate. So it becomes more conservative. Oh, okay. So basically now if I mean, it, it depends on how old you are, but if you're like in your twenties and thirties, you have a lot of runway till you retire. So mm-hmm. you want to be more aggressive and you can take more risk. So that means you can have more stocks, more stocks usually means more risk, more okay. bonds means more conservative. So oh, that's good. That's good I to hope, know. Um, yeah, no, that's a yeah. good basic kind of information because I know even, even for me personally, that's helpful because I know I've just kind of gone with what's like automatically recommended through the whoever's providing the 401k. And so that I'm going to go in there. I do have access to the account online, but I'm going to go in there and check it out because I'm not sure. Now, do most companies offer that kind of like based on a date kind of way of investing? Yeah, most companies do offer that. It's a retirement only type investment. So yeah, most do. Mm -hmm. And if they don't, and they put you in something automatically, typically, the automatic one they put you in should be Uh, like a good percentage in stocks, like it it should be fine. It's when you, if, if you personally go in and change it to something like money market or stable value, Mm -hmm. stable value means that value is really not going to (laughs) change. So that's, you won't be able to retire on something like that. I see. I see. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And now another, another basic 401k question I have for you, and this is just completely selfishly motivated because I have this question for myself. Um, so my husband, (laughs) my husband had a previous employer where he had a 401k and that's just sitting there because he's now working for himself. Is there any advantage at all in bringing that into my account or should we just manage them separately? So usually I recommend actually when people have old 401ks to roll them into what's called an IRA. Mm-hmm. Okay. Tell an me what that is. individual retirement account. Yeah. Yes. So IRA, and sometimes you might hear people refer to it as an IRA. So if you hear that term, it's the same thing as an IRA. Okay. Individual retirement account. Very similar to the 401k. It's just kind of, if you think of it as like, a house and where you're going to stash your investments. The 401k is one house and the IRA is a different house. Okay. A lot of people don't realize that if they leave their 401k at their previous employer, it's they're often incurring extra fees there because they're no longer an employee. So when you're an employee there, you know, they're going to you get benefits. One of the perks of being an employee that you get the 401k. Mm -hmm. But then when you're no longer an employee, you can get, um, fees basically. And they'll be withdrawn from your, like they're just deducted from your balance. So what I usually recommend is people roll it into an IRA and it's very simple to do. Again, this is where it's great to have an online account and Mm -hmm. you can just go in and usually there's an option of 
initiate a rollover and it rolls into an IRA, which is less fees for you Mm -hmm. and then many more investment options. So if you weren't happy with what, say, for example, the old 401k didn't have a target date and you wanted that, you can roll in in an IRA, you can have limitless options because it's not controlled by your employer. And so that's what you recommend for people that might have an old 401k from a previous employer do, um, kind of put it into an IRA so they'll have more control over it and less fees. I think that's great. Um, So Mm -hmm. some people are listening and they're like, why on earth is she talking about retirement? That is so far away, right? (laughs) Um, But you mentioned people in their 20s and 30s, you know, investing for retirement. And um, so what do you say? Because I know when I was in my 20s and 30s, it felt like another world to me. Like, I I mean, I was beginning my family and I had, you know, college debt and those kinds of things were most immediately pressing on my mind. So what might you say to somebody who's more in that demographic or even somewhere in between? Um, how, how can they go about um, setting up their, their personal finances in a way that's going to make sense for them in the long run? So I generally, it really, it's a case by case basis, but typically I look at how much debt they have. And Mm -hmm. right now, so many people in their twenties and thirties have student loans Mm -hmm. and it can be tens of thousands of dollars, even hundreds of thousands of dollars. And in those cases, plus there might be some credit card debt. Usually I recommend focusing on really paying that debt off Mm -hmm. and in the retirement even if you have to delay it a couple years, but just so you have more cash flow, Mm -hmm. um, getting that debt off of your plate a lot of times is stress relieving for people. So I think the big thing is knowing wherever you're working, knowing what your benefits are, knowing what the match is. And sometimes it doesn't always make sense to contribute up to the match level, because if you're someone who has credit card debt, that's like, in 20, 25% interest rate, yeah. your dollar is going to go further paying off that debt than contributing to retirement right now. Mm-hmm. So right. the sooner you can get out of that kind of credit card debt situation and then just be cash flow positive, then I then I would say retirement is it's much easier and makes more sense when you're not buried under tens of thousands of dollars of debt. Right, right. So now you did just describe a lot of people. <laughs> And I know debt is one of those things that does keep people awake in the middle of the night, or they have guilt about it. They have shame about it. All these feelings associated with these financial topics. What are some basic things for tips, ideas, the way to approach, you know, even beginning to get out of debt? I mean, are you a Dave Ramsey fan? Do you use his approach? What do you say? So I actually am not a fan of his approach typically. Mm -hmm. So he does um, the snowball method where you pay off your smallest debt first. So let's say you have a credit card that has $200 on it, and then you have another credit card with Mm $5,000. So he would recommend you pay off the one with $200 because you can say, oh, I have a victory. You know, I've paid it off. Right. Um, But the way I look at it, and this is, there's a term called debt avalanche. Mm -hmm. So it's, you focus on the debt with the highest interest first. Okay. So let's say in the same example, like credit card had 200 bucks on it. Another one had 5,000. If the uh, 5,000 one had a interest rate of 25% and the $200 one had an interest rate of, of only like 15, conventionally, mathematically, it makes more sense to focus on the $5,000 credit card because the interest rate is higher. Right. But here's the thing though. 
in, in working with my clients is mathematically the avalanche method makes more sense, Mm -hmm. but you have to go with what works for you. If you feel like you're going to be discouraged doing it that way, and you'd feel better about these small victories, paying off the small debts first, Mm -hmm. then do that. Because to me, there's no one size fits all. I think that's where I diverge a little bit from Dave Ramsey is he kind of preaches a one size fits all approach to personal finance. Right. And I don't think it's that way at all. There's so many variables. I mean, I think what he's doing is great. There's a lot of great concepts, Mm -hmm. but I think for each person, you know, if you're in a debt situation, one of the things I recommend, um, there's a great tool on Credit Karma. It's called the Debt Repayment Calculator. Mm-hmm. And you can put in your balance and then you can play around with it and say, okay, if I paid $50 more per month, how much sooner could I pay this off? Oh, cool. And it's really fun to see how much just a little difference can make. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the places that I recommend people go to. So it's Credit um, Karma. Yes, creditkarma.com, their debt repayment calculator. And then I also recommend in general, if you're in debt, just knowing exactly the interest rates, Mm -hmm. which usually in a credit card statement, they're purposely buried. (laughs) (laughs) They don't want you knowing that. (laughs) No, they They just want you to see the minimum due. Okay. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So you have to usually go to the second or third page and there's usually a table and then you can see the interest rate there. And so I think it's a good to just, if you're in debt, sit down, find out all your balances, all the interest rates, all the minimum payments. So that way you have a very clear picture of where you are and what your requirement is each month towards those. And then from there, you can determine if you can afford to put more money than just the minimum. Right. So yes. So that's one of the things I recommend if you're in debt. And then there's so many ways to be creative if you want to pay it off more quickly, different ways doing side hustles or selling things. There's Mm -hmm. just so many inspiring stories of people online that have done amazing things to get out of debt more quickly. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, do you ever recommend something like, and I know that I've I've heard of people doing this before, taking out a loan, like consolidating their debt? Right. So like whether it's student loans or credit card debt or whatever they've got going on, either like taking out a home equity loan or a personal loan of some kind to pay it all off at once. And then you're paying that one loan back. Do you recommend that? Yes. So I do recommend that a lot, actually. Um, A big factor, though, is your credit score. So you're going to want to have a credit score around 680 or higher. So for some people, that's not an option. They might not get approved for something like a home equity line of credit Mm -hmm. or a personal loan. And in that case, they have to just focus on paying off their debt diligently until their score gets higher. But yeah, if you do have a score of 680 or higher, um, I do recommend that a lot. So Nerd Wallet has a personal loan comparison tool oh. where you put in your the, the amount of debt you have and your zip code, your annual income and your credit score. Mm-hmm. And this is anonymous. Like you're not putting your name in yet. This is to just show you an idea of where you might qualify. And they have a bunch of different personal loans that says, oh, you might qualify, you know, for one that's at 8%. Oh, and okay. if you're, if you're paying, 20% interest on your credit card and you might get a personal loan for 8%. It's amazing. Right. Like that's a huge, huge. savings and in interest. Mm-hmm. So yes. Yeah, so yes, I do recommend personal loans and home equity lines of credit 
I also do recommend those depending on the situation. And oftentimes those have even lower interest rates than personal loans. Okay. But you got to have more than 20% equity in your home. So okay. if you just bought your house, I mean, I'm sure you do. <laughs> for people who've been homeowners for a while, they do. But if you're a new homeowner and you didn't put down 20%, right. then you might have a little ways to go before you can do a HELOC. I see. Okay. Those are those are good tips, good places to start. And there are options available. So if you listeners are feeling that pit in your stomach about any kind of debt that you've got going on in your life, for whatever reason you have it, um, there are options and there are ways that you can go about smartly getting out of that debt and relieving yourself of that burden. Victoria, let's talk about marriage and money because you just got married. Um, what kinds of conversations yeah. do you think it's important for couples to have before they get married, but then like old married couples like me and Dan, like where do you recommend couples begin this kind of conversation? How do they start? Yeah. So I think before you get married and and if you're already married and you haven't had these conversations, it's okay. You can have them now. But I recommend that, that you know each other's credit scores. You know how much debt the other person has. You know how much each other makes from their job. Mm -hmm. And you know their philosophy about money in general. Mm -hmm. So are they someone who's a spender, a saver, there's um, money personality quizzes you can take online, which I think can be insightful for couples. Yeah. And it, just because you have different money personalities doesn't mean that's a bad thing at all. For example, I'm definitely more of, I, I think I would, I'm kind of like a saver, frugal type. Mm -hmm. So, and I know that about myself. And I'm someone who likes, who has a harder time almost like buying something. Yeah. You know, some people spend too much, but I have a hard time buying things because I'm like, no, I don't want to see my balance go down. <laughs> so th those are just good things to know about each other. Mm -hmm. And you can work with any kind of situation. It's really just about being open and saying, you know, because when you're married or say you're a newlywed, you guys right. really might have different opinions on, for example, like presents, like buying mm -hmm. presents for family members. So when you were single, you could spend as much money as you wanted and now you're married. And so you're like, okay, well, what's appropriate now? We have a bigger family. Right. And so those kind of things, I just think talking about your expectations mm -hmm. and having a spreadsheet or just somewhere written down what your monthly responsibilities are for as far as bills go. So you're on mm -hmm. the same page. Yeah, that it's makes not easy, sense. though. <laughs> <laughs> no, these are hard conversations to have. And for sure, something that couples tend to fight about a lot. Um, what's what's your philosophy for for married couples? Um, this is something Dan and I have talked about in the past where we when we first got married, we never even considered having separate bank accounts like that was a no brainer. Like we have the same accounts, you know, and, um, but I know couples who keep their finances separate and they each pay separate bills. And for me, I mean, for us anyway, that for sure would be a recipe for fighting about every little thing, like my money, your money. Um, it's our money. Um, but what, what do you, what do you see in, in couples that you might advise and what kind of general advice might you offer to couples in that regard? So I'm biased towards joint accounts. I just mm -hmm. think that it's simpler. It forces you to have communication and it forces transparency. Right. So I'm definitely a fan, but I, I do work with a lot of couples who have their finances separate. And a lot of times it can just be because of the way that they were raised. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's hard to change that mentality going from, okay, this is my money and I earn this much 
to this is our money Mm -hmm. and we're both contributing. Maybe we're contributing different amounts because we have different incomes. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, everything is both of ours. Right. So I do. I am a fan of joint bank, joint checking, joint savings. I do also think it's fine to have and, and obviously this goes for whatever works for your, for anyone's situation is what works for them. So I'm not saying this is how it has to be. Right. But I, I do think that even if you do have, if you each have a separate little bank account for yourself, that's okay too. Uh, mm-hmm. For example, if you like, like for example, with my parents, they had everything, like everything was joint. And so whenever my mom would buy my dad a gift, he knew exactly what he was getting before <laughs> he got the gift. Yeah. So, you know, if you're someone who has like a a small bank account on the side with like a hundred dollars in it, you each have that kind of to just, if you want to surprise each other, like, I think that's fine or, but as long as the understanding is that if one of you wants to look, you're allowed to. Right. Um, But I think that everything being joint paying bills together, Mm -hmm. that to me is so much easier. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, when we first got married, this is funny, we've kind of evolved. I used to be, because I am more naturally the frugal type, I was the one who paid the bills. And then at some point, after a certain number of kids, it got to be a huge stressor for me. Like, it was really hard for me to do. And I would, you know, it caused me a lot of anxiety and just even just the time and trying to keep up with it. And at that point, Dan took it over. I was so relieved. And, And now it's really something we do together. Of course, most bills it's a different thing now. Like everything's automated online. (laughs) So there's a lot less uh, work involved Mm -hmm. there. But for sure, that's something we experienced in our marriage is like kind of evolved over time. Like what works at one point in your marriage, maybe you need to kind of adjust and um, reevaluate it at a different point in your marriage. Yeah, absolutely. And you go through and I mean, I'm, I'm talking and not that I have the experience that you have in marriage at all, but I know that there's different seasons. Mm -hmm. And Sometimes it might make sense, like for some couples, they might have like a second checking account and that checking account might be something for, okay, we know all of our kids activities are coming out of this account, or this is specifically for groceries and gas and eating out Mm -hmm. and this other checking accounts for our fixed bills. So, you know, there's always ways that you can mix it up if you feel like the what you're doing right now isn't working for you. And I think there's there's no harm in that. I mean, right. having conversations with your spouse about money, that's a good thing. It's just communication. Right, right. And important to be having that communication. Okay. Well, before we have to wrap up here, Victoria, I do want to talk about some tools you might recommend because, you know, there might be someone listening who's like, I need a budget. I don't even know where to start, right? Like, are there some basic right. resources that you might recommend for somebody who like just wanting to kind of maybe learn a little bit more about their personal finances, get a little more comfortable with them. Even just, I think so many people are going around, they don't even know, right, what their financial situation is because they're afraid to look at it. (laughs) Yes. So I usually find that it's not as scary as people expect Mm -hmm. when they finally pull back the layers and see what their finances look like. But even if it is scary, everything in finances is, is fixable. There's mm-hmm. always a solution. There's always a strategy. So one of my favorite resources, especially for Catholics is compass Catholic, mm-hmm. and they have an awesome website with a lot of resources on there. They have a blog, they have a podcast. So nice. if you if you prefer to learn about different concepts through 
audio, then I would definitely listen to the Compass Catholic podcast. Mm-hmm. They are t- they're totally personal finance focused, which is really amazing. And they also have a Bible study. So if you're interested in starting a Bible study similar to like the Dave Ramsey's one that goes on in a lot of churches, there's yeah. they have a Compass Catholic Bible study. Because nice. there, there are some key differences um, as a Catholic. And I think that money is so personal and it can bring up so many emotions that I, for one, I couldn't think about my money without a spiritual lens. Like there's Mm -hmm. such a component to to it that is spiritual. And I think it's important to look at money with a spiritual lens and Mm -hmm. invite God into that aspect of your life because he totally understands it. And for me, I think money management would be so difficult if I didn't have a spiritual outlook on it or an eternal focus. Right. So I, I totally encourage couples and single people to really pray about their finances and bring their concerns to God, because ultimately I always say it's, it's not really about the money. Like you can learn the terms, you can learn the math, but at the end of the day, it's like, where, what's your security blanket? And Mm -hmm. I think for me, for a long time, my security blanket was my bank account Mm -hmm. and realizing that God is the ultimate security blanket can take off some of that stress. Yes. Yes. I think that's so helpful. And, you know, people are at all different places in that journey toward fully trusting in God, but you're, you're so right that the couples and individuals need to kind of have that hard conversation with themselves. Like what, what am I really placing my trust in? Like, it's easy to say, Oh, I trust in God, but you're, you're also trusting in your job or your bank account. Like you said, Totally. And I'm not there. I don't want to pretend that I trust God fully. It's <laughs> None of us I'm does. <laughs> we're all we're all works in progress for sure. So that resource you mentioned is compasscatholic.org. I'll put a link in the show notes to that so people can check that out. But I also want to give a shout out to your website. I know you're not keeping it up because you're you're focused on on your work right now, but um consumercatholic.com. You've got some podcasts there and other great resources that people can check out, right? Yeah. So I do blog about, there's some resources in there about being money mindful, figuring out your money mindset. And I do hope to update it in the future. It's just my full-time job is, is my focus right now. Mm -hmm. But yes, if you poke around on there, you'll find a lot of different articles on consumerism. And it's really my, that blog is more mindset focused than particular practical advice. Right. Okay, great. So you can check that out. That's consumercatholic.com and the other resource compasscatholic.org. Victoria Secrets has been my guest today. Thank you so much, Victoria, for coming on and talking about these important topics. I really needed an expert to come in because this is not my wheelhouse. I'm so grateful for you coming on. (laughs) Yeah, of course. I love chatting about this stuff. Well, we're happy to have you. God bless you in your new marriage and in all your work. Thanks so much. Welcome back. And now we're in the part of the show where I share a little bit of feedback from you all. 
This week, I heard from listener Sarah, and Sarah says, Hello, Danielle. I started listening to your podcast only a few weeks ago, but instantly I loved every topic. I am just starting my first teaching job at a Catholic school a little over an hour and a half away from where my family lives. My sister just gave birth to a son, Matthew, on August 27th. I am so proud to be an aunt, but even more excited to be a godmother. Although this is the first time of either for me, I started to grow very nervous about the prospect of both important roles in his life. Listening to the podcast, on growing closer to God through parenting eased my fears just a bit. Although I know I won't be the one staying up all night with him throughout the week, I do want to make sure that he grows up with a love for the faith. I always looked to Mary as calling us all to be spiritual mothers, and I love that you all touched on that and reassured me that we have to work toward asking Mary for intercessions. Please pray for my little nephew and godson, my sister, and the family as we embark on this beautiful journey together. Sincerely, Sarah. Sarah, this made my day. I absolutely love that you are so excited to take on this role as an aunt and as a godmother. What a lucky little guy Matthew is to have so much love in his life coming from beautiful women already. So for sure, we're going to pray for you and we're going to pray for your godson, your nephew, Matthew. Definitely listeners join me in that prayer. But I I just wanted to say, Sarah, that you just being excited about this is already a great start. It's a great start as his godmother and as his aunt and just excited to be a part of his life. I think that's such a beautiful thing and such a gift. You know, when we first were married and having children, my younger sister, especially my younger sister, Christine, was very close with especially my oldest, my daughter, Catery. And they had such a beautiful relationship and I was so grateful for that in my life, my my sister's presence in my kids' lives. And that has lasted throughout my daughter's entire life. They're still very close. And, you know, I love it when they they still are able to get together. And my my sister still plays an important role in my daughter's life as sort of a, a second mom, a different kind of mom, someone who has different skills and different experiences and different perspectives. And I know for sure, especially during some of the tumultuous teen years, that's who my daughter was turning to for advice or reaching out to for information or asking questions and looking for support. So you have have that beautiful opportunity to play that role in your nephew and godson's life. I love that you're on fire about it. And, you know, beginning just in in prayer and like you said, asking for Mary's intercession in his life, beautiful places to start. I don't have any particular advice to offer you in that role, but it sounds like you're doing a great job of it. And I am thrilled and happy for you. Pass on our girlfriend's congratulations to your sister on the birth of her son. So before we have to wrap up today, I just want to mention a few places that I'm going to be. You know, I love it when we can get together in person. I love meeting girlfriends, listeners in person. So if you are anywhere near Orlando, and I've heard from a few of you already who are planning to be here for this event on Saturday, November 16th, I'm going to be giving my You Are Enough retreat at Holy Family Church. Again, that is in Orlando. Then on Saturday, January 11th, I'm going to be right here in New Hampshire at St. Michael Church in Exeter, giving my You're Worth It retreat. So that one is based on women in the New Testament. The You Are Enough retreat is based on women in the Old Testament. I absolutely love connecting with other women for both of those retreats. Then on Saturday, March 7th, I'm going to be giving my You're Worth It retreat at Precious Blood Parish in Jasper, Indiana. Saturday, March 28th, I'm going to be speaking at the Women's Conference in Norwich, Connecticut. I have a few other things in the works. They aren't confirmed yet, but I'll share them with you as soon as they are. If you are interested in having me come speak to your parish in your 
your community. If you'd like to bring one of my You're Worth It or You Are Enough retreats to your community, I would love to hear from you. I would love to find out how we can make that happen for the women of your community. You can go to daniellebean.com and click on the retreats tab to find out more about making that happen. Or if you're already putting on an event at your parish in your community or a conference and you'd like to invite me to be a part of that, I would love to hear from you as well. You can go to daniellebean.com and click on the speaking tab to get more information about bringing me to your event and asking me to become a speaker at your event. I would love the opportunity to get to meet you in person. So that list of events and any pertinent links and registrations are always listed in the show notes for every episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. And you can find the show notes at ascensionpress.com. And that's it for this week. I want to thank you for joining me. I always appreciate the feedback that you give me. You know, I'm always begging you for feedback, but mostly I am just so grateful that you show up and that you take part in the Girlfriends podcast. You as a listener are a very important part of the Girlfriends community, and I am so glad that you're here. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between daniellebean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation.